0: So glad that I can be here tonight to share some wonderful truths from God's Word. This afternoon I had the privilege of being at um, an assisted living home where we, um, well, the folks there, they they enjoy the singing more than they do the message. (laughs) And so we love to sing. But today as I was up there in front leading singing, I suddenly realized I'm singing a solo here. Nobody was singing along with me. However, I praise the Lord for our congregation and for the beautiful singing that we have here in our church. And i just love to join in with it. Open your Bibles this evening to the book of Romans. This is a wonderful, wonderful portion of God's word. and We're going to look at Romans chapter 5. And I want us to notice this great theme. God's love in action. God's love in action. God is love. This is the character which He demonstrated to us. We're not getting through. All right. Thank you. You're so welcome. Good. Let's see how far we get this time. All right. I started to talk about God's love in action. And that's the theme of this passage before us today, dear friends. You see, we cannot begin to uh, grasp or describe the love of God. Remember that old hymn, The Love of God is Greater Far Than Tongue or Pen Can Ever Tell? What a wonderful truth is the love of God. His love extends beyond anything that the human uh, condition can understand. The love of God is given to us in his word with a very special word in the original language. It's a word which describes the love that only God can show and, praise God, through the blessed ministry of the Holy Spirit, it's a love that we can show as well. For the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. So God is love. That's the character which he demonstrated when he sent his only begotten son into the world. This was a world of lost people who cared nothing for him, who had their hearts and minds totally um, under the control of the God of this world, living in sin and really reveling in it, and uh, uh, worshiping false gods and bowing down before idols. But God loved us anyway. Isn't that wonderful? His love extends to a lust and dying world, saving and reconciling men and women to himself. Tonight, I want us to notice three important principles from this passage. We're going to look at um, verses 6 uh, through 11 And see these three principles at work. So if you don't mind, I'd just like to read this portion before we move on. Beginning at verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And so, dear friends, I want us to see in this portion tonight God's love reaching, God's love rescuing, and God's love reconciling. Wonderful, wonderful truths from God's Word. The first thing we note here is that God's love is unconditional. God's love is unconditional. That means that he loves us all. For God so loved who? The world. Every soul within this world. And dear friends, when Christ died on the cross, His shed blood. That great sacrifice that he gave for our sin was sufficient for the sin of the world, everybody. And so we find that there is no one that God cannot save. There's no one whose sin is so bad that they cannot be saved. But let me also add, there is no one so good that they don't need to be saved. We all are mere sinners Saved by grace. And so we find. God's love is unconditional. Ephesians. Or excuse me. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Uh, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. In the life I now live. In the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the the truth uh, of the gospel for us tonight. Whoever chooses to come to Jesus and receive his salvation is welcomed and received. And let me just say this, dear friends. Perhaps everybody here has been born again and is walking with the Lord. But it's so important for us to understand that there are millions of people in this world and probably hundreds to thousands round about us who are living in sin, they don't know anything about a God who loves them. they live without any love in their life at all, and they struggle just to get by from week to or from day to day and so we find that we need to give forth the gospel message that there's a love or there's a God in heaven who loves them now you notice uh in verse 5 here, it says, or verse 6, I'm sorry, but uh, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. A couple of things I want us to note here from that verse. While we were yet weak, what's that speaking about? Well, you see, back in the Old Testament, way back there in the book of Exodus, when Moses went out in, uh, up into the mount and he was there where God gave him the law. He came down with that law, and he gave it to the people, and, he, and the people said, all that God has said, we will do. God instructed Moses to go back up into the mountain, and you know, while he was up there, you know what they did? They built a calf of gold. Gold. And they worshipped it, danced around it, and did all kinds of pagan practices. Here's the point. They were weak. They could not keep God's law. And neither can we. You see, there's none righteous, no, not one. I know this is pretty basic stuff for us here tonight. But this is the book of Romans. And this is the wonderful truth that God has revealed to us in his word. When We were weak. We were helpless. We had nothing to commend ourselves to God. There was no merit within us. Weak. We couldn't fulfill God's law. We couldn't live for him. In fact, when we were weak, we were weak because we didn't even know about God or care about it. When we were weak at the right time, I like that, too, at the right time. Do you realize that the Lord Jesus never stepped out ahead of the plan of God? He never stepped outside of the will of God. He never uttered a word that was not given to him from the Father. The Lord Jesus accomplished everything that he came to do exactly at the time set for it. Remember when the Pharisees and others tried to arrest him, they wanted to kill him? They couldn't get him. And you know what he would say? Jesus said it many times. My hour has not yet come. But then at the last supper, when he sat there with his disciples and he held up the cup and the the bread, he said, my hour has come. And he was willing to go through it because of his love for you and me. Now to me, that's a story that's old, but it never gets tiring. It's the wonderful truth of the word of God. And so the spiritual uh, uh, bankruptcy of man is evident here. And it is expanded in the verses that follow. We are alienated from life in God, lost in sin. We, Christ died for the who? The ungodly. What does ungodly mean? It means that there's nothing about them to commend them to God. There's nothing about that person and such as we were until we came to Christ. Ungodly. No, no place in the heart for God. No interest in the things of God. No capability to understand the things of God. You know what the Bible tells us about the natural man? It says he receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Neither can he know them, for they're spiritually discerned. You see, apart from the Spirit of God, the things of God are not open and understandable to us. But that wonderful passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 tells us about the Lord Jesus The one who brought light out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give us the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. So that's a wonderful truth, dear friend. All of that in verse 6 here, that we were weak, so weak we could do nothing about it. Now, as we move along here, I want you to notice we, we come down here to verse 7 and it says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would e- dare even to die. Well, you know, I get a, gave a lot of thought about that because, you see, the Lord Jesus is perfectly righteous. God is holy, and we're not. But, you see, there would be those in in, in our human nature, in our humanness, who would perhaps be willing to lay their, our life on the line for someone else. You know, um, there are people who uh, sign up and they go into the hospital and they give one of their organs for somebody who needs one. That's a tremendous sacrifice. That shows real love, doesn't it? Those are the kinds of things that people are willing to do. There are those who perhaps see someone out in the the ocean and they uh, are struggling, afraid they're going to drown, they jump in and they go after them, putting their own life at risk. And, of course, there are those who, in battle, go forth and um, do what they're commanded to do without regard to their own safety. So, yes, there are some who are willing to follow orders or willing to do something like that for the ones they love, but I want us to notice, he says, uh, for a righteous person—that means one who's sternly righteous, one who's self-righteous, one who will not uh, give an inch. You know, the person that uh, is not very lovable. While we find that. <clears throat> A lot of folks wouldn't want to put their life on the line for that kind of a person. And so it says in verse 8, but God. Have you ever gone through the Bible and just read those little phrases right there? You come along and read all these things, all of a sudden it says, but God. Notice that when you're reading because that is the turning point. God stepped in. God did something Because of his love. But God shows his love for us. In that while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. You know I'm touched by that. With the realization that there is no greater love to be seen. Than what is recorded for us here in verse 8. God's love requires nothing. You see nothing in us to motivate God to love us except his own loving uh, nature. The Bible clearly says God is love. That's his character. That's who he is. And so we find that there is no greater love than the love of God. Christ dying for ungodly sinners Sin is everything that is repugnant to God. Sin cannot be abided in his presence. A sinner cannot enter the gates of heaven. You might remember when that great angel Lucifer, the very epitome of beauty and greatness that God, Jesus himself, created, and he fell because he had pride in his heart. And we find that even without saying anything, it says that pride was found in him. You see, we don't have to talk about it. We don't have to demonstrate it. He knows what's in our hearts. He knows what's on our minds. And so we find that when uh, Lucifer did that, God had to eliminate him from heaven. He was cast out. He lost his wonderful place of high privilege before the throne room of God. So we find that an individual, self-centered, indulging in the wicked ways and the false philosophies of the world, turns his back on the things of God, but he still, God still loves him. To contemplate the grace of God that he would send his son to die for such bitter, hateful and corrupt mankind is as amazing as it is inconceivable to the human mind. Our natural inclination if someone is angry at us, if someone turns uh, against us, who perhaps um, acts like they're befriending us and then betrays it, all of that kind of thing, like Judas did for the Lord with the Lord Jesus. You know what, what, what Pastor Mike spoke about this morning? Gentleness. Jesus was gentle, wasn't he? He was even gentle with Judas. And he spoke words of comfort, or I should say compassion, to, to uh, Judas. And so we find that that's the love of God. It extends to the worst of us, and it will even save those who think they're the best of us. And so God showed his, the fullness of his love to uncaring wretches who spat upon him and nailed him to a cross and mocked him as he died. He died for the unlovable. That's a thing that's so striking. I'm reminded of the parable that Jesus gave of the good Samaritan. Remember that story? How that this man was. Mugged along the road. And robbed. And beaten up. And these robbers took everything he had. And left him laying there in the ditch. A little while. Along came one of the priests. And he saw him. And he walked on the other side. He didn't want to be made unclean. By touching this Samaritan. Then comes a Pharisee. He was even worse. He had nothing to do with him. The only one who could rescue this poor man was a Samaritan, the good Samaritan. And we know what he did for him. And the message is clear. Jesus is telling us that he loves the unlovable. He loves that one who's down there in the dregs, in the dirt, and and in a terrible, sorry state. And believe me, there are people like that all around us. And to so many people, they're totally unlovable, totally uncared for. Those people sitting there in the uh, curbs of the street and just waiting, I guess, to die, and nobody cares. It's such a heart-rending thing to see. But Jesus died for those folks, just like he died for you. And we have a responsibility, don't we, to reach out to those who are lost in sin and dying in sin. The wages of sin is death. There's a uh, way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So God help us to be faithful in serving our Lord and Savior. The greater love of God is seen in this wonderful verse 8, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's to me just the, uh, a verse that is just inconceivable to understand. The righteous, holy God in heaven loved sinners such as me. Now let's move on to verse 9. And here we find that... Uh, God, God's love rescues the sinner. Verse 9 says, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Is that not a rescue plan, dear friends? God saving us from eternity in hell. I want you to notice we have been, first of all, justified. We've come now to a portion in Romans chapter five, which I like to call the good, uh, the much more passage. Have you noticed how many much mores there are in this passage? Let me just run down through it uh, re- real quickly for you because I think it's it's very, very important and uh, it's such a blessing. Verse 10, we just read, read, um, uh, verse 9, much more shall we be saved from wrath. Verse 10, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? And then we come down to verse 11, and it says more than that, or much more, we should also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. But that's not the end of it. Go over here to verse 17. For if, because of one man's tra- trespass, death reigned through that one mo- man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. There's not yet another one, verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. I'll tell you what, there are so many wonderful truths that I can't cover them all tonight. I just want you to encourage you to take your Bible home and read through those much mores and see what God has done for you in saving you. It is abundance, overflowing grace of God that not only saved us, but brought him to us himself, adopted us into the family of God, made us heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Oh, we could just go on and on, couldn't we? But here I want you to notice as we go back to verses ten and eleven, it says, "For while, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God in the death of His Son. We were enemies. We had gone from without strength or weakness in verse six, excuse me, to sinners in verse eight, and in verse ten to enemies. Enemies. You know the." The natural heart of man is at enmity with God. It's not that he doesn't believe, only that he doesn't believe. It's not just that he's uh, unwilling to turn to Christ, but he wants nothing to do with it. He loves his sin. He loves that worldly lifestyle. He's involved in gaining riches for himself, gaining prestige and position in the world, and so on not interested in the things of God. But here's what he says. That God showed his love for us while we were sinners, Christ died for us. For if we were enemies, if, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Yes, that's what it took. And that's the key thing here tonight. Uh, tonight. I want us to understand that enemies with increasing hostility toward God are made his very own children. Think of that. It takes us out of the enemy's camp and brings us to himself. The idea is of God uh, working for our salvation so that we who were enemies of God could now be changed to being righteous, holy, destined for God, I should say for heaven, and on his side. And that's what repentance is. Repentance is turning our back on sin to accept what God has done for, uh, to make us his dear children. When one comes to Christ, he repents. Now that doesn't always mean come running down to the front of the church and dropping to your knees and crying out to God, for I'm a sinner. It could mean that, but what it means is, God, I've been going in the wrong direction. And you know, there are a lot of people who just aren't that very emotional, but intellectually, they understand it. And they say, God, you know, that's, that's me. I'm a sinner. And so right there, they bow their heads and acknowledge what they are. And they said, right here, right now, I'm turning from this. And I'm going to become a child of God. And listen, that's genuine repentance, turning my back on sin to live for God. Notice what Second Corinthians five verses 7 through 19, seventeen through nineteen says. You know these verses, I'm sure. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You know what that word reconciliation means? that's That's number three, by the way, on our on our outline. It means that we are brought back to a right relationship with God. Now you know if they you may have experienced it or somebody else you know of has that they had a a family quarrel or if they didn't get along together, and for twenty years neither side would speak to each other, and finally, they come to that point where they realize, you know, this is just not worth it. Here your, your whole family has grown up and I've never had a part with it. And now uh, I want to make it right. And they go to that person and they say, Brother or sister, I'm sorry that this happened. Let's get right. Let's get together. That's reconciliation. But I want to point out something else here in, in regards to this reconciliation. And it's this. You can't reconcile yourself to God like you would somebody else. For you see, you have to receive reconciliation on the merits of what God has done for you through the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ. His righteousness imputed to me. And so not only does God uh, reach out to us, not only does he uh, rescue us from that terrible sin. But he reconciles us to himself. Look at verse, verse 10 here. or Excuse me, verse 11. More than that, we also rejoice in God. Now, stop a minute. The fact that we come together and we fellowship in the things of the Lord. And we rejoice in singing. And our hearts are filled with praise to him. What a wonderful thing there is joy in serving Jesus and living for Him and fellowshipping with others of like precious faith. More than that, the superabundance of that, much more than that, we also rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. All oh, these much mores are precious to us. If we just take the time to consider what it means, what love that God in his infinite mercy and his wonderful wisdom reconciled us to himself when we were enemies. He couldn't just say, oh, all right, I'll forgive you. No, you have to come to Christ. You have to come to God through Christ accepting His shed blood on our behalf for the remission of sin. That's the is essential because you can't enter into God into heaven and be with God in your sinful condition. He's not going to just um, ignore that sin and let you come in. Sin has to be dealt with, and that's why Jesus came and died on the cross, you see. He became the Lamb of God, was slain for our sin. He took our place. He took upon him the wrath of God so that we, enemies of God, might be reconciled to him. And the result of reconciliation, dear friends, is that we are his own people. Now, I don't know about you, but that thrills me. I'm so excited about the fact that God loves me and he was willing to die for me and he's willing to give this... Uh, this wonderful truth to me so that I might live with God forever. We rejoice in the newfound relationship with God. What joy, inexpressible joy in finding ourselves on God's side, part of his family. We're on the victory side, aren't we? Now we are no longer a- enemies alienated from life in God, but having been brought to eternal life in Christ. What a wonderful truth we have seen in this portion of God's word. Just a small portion. There's so much more to add to it. be a wonderful study just to go through the book of Romans. I don't think we're going to make that tonight. But praise God for what he's revealed to us here. May the joy of the Lord be uh, ours as we grasp the reality of being reconciled to God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. But as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. We love him because he first loved us. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this portion of your word tonight. May it encourage our hearts, Lord, to go forth and serve you. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You've given that that responsibility to us. May we be willing to share that with the lost around about us. And may we go our ways tonight rejoicing in our blessed Lord and Savior, who loved us and gave himself for us. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, folks. I'm so glad you came out, even though it's holiday weekend. That You chose to be with us this Sunday evening. The Lord bless you. Have a wonderful Labor Day. (laughs)